Welcome to the first Sunday of 2024. You made it. You survived the great snowstorm. Amy and I were talking about how wimpy we've become with snow. And, you know, it used to be we'd have snow all the time, and now it's like we had our first, you know, six-inch snowfall. We were battening down the hatches for like two weeks in preparation and everything like that. But, hey, you're here. You made it. Thank you for uh, braving the weather uh, today. Uh, This is a great new season we believe that the best is yet to come. That's, I mean, that's something that always in Christ we can look forward and say, new season, best is yet to come in Christ. Somebody say amen to that. That is not determined by your circumstances, by the way. Some of you, you're in the middle of hard circumstances. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. Uh, your resolve to follow Christ in 2024, your resolve to grow as a follower of Him, to, to reflect Him better, your resolve to grow in your disciplines and all of those things, not dependent on your circumstances, not dependent on your emotional state. Uh, very much dependent on the empowering that the Holy Spirit gives us, and so we come with open hands into a new year to receive all of that. Um, this is a great time of year as we're talking about resetting, and that is actually the, the sermon series that we're going to be doing here in these first weeks of the year. We're simply calling it Reset. It's a topical series. We're looking in uh, Psalms today. We're going to be looking at some Proverbs. We're going to be looking at Isaiah next week. So it's a few different standalone messages, but all kind of in this spirit of like, hey, we're getting ready for the new year. We want to get our hearts in line with Jesus. We want to be able to get our hopes and dreams in line with Him. We want to be able to cast off some of the old and the sin that entangles us, run our race well in 2024. And so it's a lot of that kind of heart preparation, this series that we're calling Reset. Some of you are joining us for the 40 days of prayer. I know other people that are jumping into 21 days of fasting. I mean, there's a lot of things in this time of year that we are doing specifically because we desire and we believe that God desires to cultivate spiritual hunger. Right? So we want to do the things that are causing us to hunger for Him. We are inviting the favor of God. That's it. Say that. Favor of God. Like, to actually just think about this for a moment. It's not the, the main point of the message today, although it is where we're going to land at the end. But it's not the main point. But this idea that right now you are positioning yourself to invite the favor of God into the various aspects of your life. That is a powerful promise. And we have that promise in Christ. And so we want you to take full advantage of that. When I was thinking about favor of God, uh, we were meeting with our staff this week. It was our first staff meeting of the year, getting a few things up and running and dreaming a little bit. And I think we had even talked a little bit about you know, fa- finding favor with God. And uh, we're in the upstairs conference room, which is where we have our conference meeting or our staff meetings on Tuesday mornings. And uh, I was a little chilly, so I was like, I'm going to get myself a little decaf cup of coffee. We have a Keurig up there, so I fill up a decaf cup of coffee. And the first thing I noticed when I walked over to it, I was like, whoa, that like really filled it up really full. But the second thing that I noticed is actually you'll see in this picture here. I got a perfect little smiley face on the top of my coffee cup. And I stopped and I said to the staff, I said, see that? The favor of God. He's smiling right now. And if somebody else fills up their coffee cup today and they get a frowny face, I want to hear, I want to know what's going on. But God gave us a little smiley face there for our staff meeting. That was sort of fun. Uh, So here's what we want to do. Today's message uh, may be a little different in some ways. I want to just walk us through kind of this first kind of week of some preparation. And we're just getting our hearts ready for the communion table today. So if you're in Christ and you're a believer in Christ today, we welcome you. It doesn't matter if this is your home church or not. We welcome you to come and to receive communion with us. One of the things that we always say, and I'll just go ahead and say it now in the front end, is that if you have not yet made a commitment of your life to Jesus Christ, 
we actually tell people don't come to the communion table. Uh, and scripture actually says that. Don't come to the communion table. Why? Because you're essentially acknowledging a sacrifice that you have not yet personally received. And so, again, you talk about getting your heart reset with the Lord. Don't hear that as a prohibition. Hear that as a great invitation. Uh, that today might be the day that you say, you know what, I'm starting off the year by bowing my knee to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and I'm going to learn to walk with Him. That's a huge thing. We would celebrate that with you. But that's what we're remembering when we come to the communion table. It's the finished work of Jesus. It's the broken body. It's the shed blood. And so we'll remember that at the end of our service today. That'll be a special moment for us. Uh, the, the message today, we're talking about starting right, and uh, just to give a little bit of background, at the end of last year, I was going through a devotional that was, that was kind of walking through the examine, and, and the examine, if you're familiar with this at all, the prayer of examine is from Ignatius of Loyola. He lived a long time ago, 1491 to 1556, and it was designed to say, you know, when you come to the end of your day, you should have time to reflect. When you come to the end of a season, you should have time to reflect. When you come time to the end of a year, you should have time to reflect on where have you seen God at work? You know, where has God shown up? What are the things that surprised you? What are the new steps forward or, or, or faith steps that God called you to? Where did you miss the mark and, and need to, to do some business on that? So this idea of this prayer of examine and walking through. So I was doing this devotional uh, on this, and I thought, man, this would be a great thing for us. And so, with the backdrop of Psalm 90, which is where we're going to go today, if you have your Bibles, you can flip over to Psalm 90. With the backdrop of Psalm 90, we're going to kind of go through some of this fruit of the examine from Ignatius of Loyola. And the four words, if you're taking notes, it's actually pretty easy. We're going to talk about remember and the importance of remembering, uh, rejoice and the importance of rejoicing, repenting. And then finally, how we resolve ourselves. And I think this is a, an important time of the year as everybody's thinking about resolutions and the different things, how 2024 is going to be different, etc. Uh, instead of just jumping to the goals, we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to kind of guide our hearts through this series of the examine. So read with me Psalm 90. It's a little bit of a longer passage. Um, it's, a, it's a prayer of Moses, actually, who we don't usually uh, associate the Psalms with Moses, but this is actually a prayer of Moses in Psalm 90. I'm going to read the entire thing. It's 17 verses long, a little bit longer, like I said, than we would normally look at, but just, uh, just receive it as you think about the contrast that Moses is placing between humanity and God and his, his all-powerfulness and the, the, the uh, temporary nature uh, of humanity and everything else. And so we'll, we'll reflect on this together. Psalm 90, verses 1 and following, it reads this way. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it's dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger, terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in the light of your presence. All of our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Verse 10 says, Our days may come to 70 years or 80 
if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they pass quickly and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. And listen, verse 12, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all of our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have been, I've seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. In verse 17, may the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. May God add blessing to the reading of his word, and may God bless you as you seek him well as you're going into a new year. Um, new Year's resolutions, how many of you have made at least one? You know, not a lot of people making resolutions, or at least not willing to admit that they're making resolutions. First service, it was like a ghost town. People were just like, I saw like one person kind of like, like, man, I don't know what your resolution is, but you definitely don't need to talk about it. It's fine. How many of you have broken a resolution already? You would say, like, I, I set out to do something, but I'm already kind of wrestling with it. Okay, either you're all liars or you're all doing pretty good. So good. Okay, one person, one honest person back there. Good. We, that's all good, too. Uh, according to uh, Forbes Health One Poll Survey, uh, New Year's resolutions are very much uh, in vogue. People are still very much trying to improve life balance. They're trying to set goals. They're trying to get some overall health. The biggest one, anybody want to take a stab? Fitness. Yeah, everyone wants to exercise, you know, get in shape a little bit. 48% of the resolutions polled were, were fitness-related. Uh, 38% were finance-related. 36% mental health, trying to improve mental health. Uh, 34% uh, trying to lose weight. Uh, 32% trying to improve diet. And so people are making resolutions, and no doubt you're thinking at least a little bit about What's the new year going to entail? You know, where are the places that I can grow? Where are the places that uh, I don't want to continue being stuck, etc.? What are the things I've left undone that I want to get to in the coming year? These are actually good questions, I think, to ask. Uh, Ignatius, in his prayer of examine, he actually does not jump right to the resolution, though. What he does, he, he takes us there ultimately, but he, he does it in a way that is wise and is prayerful and asks us to set the ground that we need to help us resolve well. And so the, the first idea of remembrance, and against this backdrop of Psalm 90, we actually see that the very first verse that Moses writes in Psalm 90 is this. He says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. That is a statement of history. That is a statement of remembrance. That's a statement of saying, I am one who can look back and see the faithfulness of God. Anybody able to look back and see the faithfulness of God? Yeah. Now, here's the thing. Most of us are able to say yes to that, but a lot of us, present company included, we've got to think a little bit. We've got, we've got to get our mind kind of in that disciplined place of remembrance so that we don't miss it. Because you could very easily cascade into the next year and you're rolling forward and you're doing the new things that are demanding your attention, whatever, and, and forget to pause and to remember the faithfulness 
of God. You see, remembering, here's the bottom line for you, remembering keeps us from repeating our messes. Many of you grew up in a family, maybe your parents would tell you, look, I don't mind that you made a mistake, but quit making the same mistake again and again and again. You've got to remember, you've got to learn from the pain that you've gone through so you don't keep making the same messes again and again. We are called to remember God's faithfulness. And, and this, again, this is an exercise of your will, but so important and so vital that we do this because here's the fact. 2023, in all of its challenges and all of its restlessness and all the things that we have experienced that, that we would say these things were negative, it was also a year that we saw real life change happening just here in our own ministry. We saw real healing. We saw real answers to prayer. And so let me encourage you, even on this front end of the year, write down the faithful encounters that you have had with God. Journal it. Be reminded of God's faithfulness. This is one of the things, I don't, I don't journal all the time, I don't journal every day, but I try to write down the significant things that God is teaching me, the significant lessons that I'm learning, the breakthroughs that I'm seeing, the, the things that I'm asking him for. And, and many of you have had this experience. It's so encouraging when you, you go back and you read a journal from two years ago, three years ago, 10 years ago, and you go, oh man, I remember praying for that. I remember, I didn't know how that was going to resolve. I didn't know how that circumstance was going to come out. And yet, now looking back, I can see the faithfulness of God. Many of us can also do this when we have experienced in the moment the deep dis disappointment. You know, something didn't go the way that we had hoped. Uh, circumstances didn't work out. We had asked God for this, and, and he didn't provide that, etc. And so now we're, we wrestle with it only to find that God used those very circumstances to bring about a new and glorious thing. And I've talked to people all the time who have said, yeah, the pain of that loss or the pain of that hardship was very real, but I actually wouldn't change it because I've seen the faithfulness of God even through it. The first thing we need to do is, re, is we need to remember. And as we remember, this is always helpful to me. I find myself saying this because I, I can get whiny just like anybody else. You know, oh, why didn't God do this? Why didn't this work out or whatever? You know some God doesn't owe me anything. Somebody say amen to that. You, if you start there with the realization that, that God has been so faithful, that God has, has lavished such grace, that God has already blessed us beyond measure, so that as I come before him, I, I, I can start even by saying, Lord, you, you don't owe me a thing. If he never gave me a thing for the rest of my natural life, I still have all things in Christ. And so we remember his faithfulness. We remember God's provision. We remember God's protection. We remember the encounters with God's presence. Let me just push into each of those for one moment with you. We remember God's provision. I mentioned this just a few moments ago, but there have been multiple things in 2023 that I have come to the place of realizing that is the thing we've been praying for. We were asking God for direction. We were asking God for provision. We were asking that God would, would open up a door. And again, we've got lots of things we're asking still right now that we don't know how he's gonna answer. But friends, it is so faith building when you can look back and you can say, that was the provision of God. We've seen that in our family. We've seen that in our church family. To say, that was the provision of God. How many of you can give a little testimony to that? Just give a hand raise or an amen, right? You've seen the provision of God. Write it down. It's important to remember. We've seen the protection of God. Uh, yesterday, uh, the Henning family was in the snowstorm of 2024, uh, the, big, the big blast. 
Uh, we were driving uh, up from York, Pennsylvania to State College, right in the thick of it. It was, it was going through all the stuff. And, and Amy says to me, she goes, this is why God, God gave me a man who was raised in Erie, Pennsylvania, who's not afraid of the snow, because I know that you can get me home. I was like, yes, honey, I love you. I will do that. It's true. So we're, we're driving up through the snow, and uh, we, we were at a, at a volleyball tournament, 16 and under tournament that Max plays on a team, and so we were down there, and I find that to actually be a, a very uh, uh, sanctifying experience, you know, when I find myself like, oh, just get the serve, uh, you know, anyway, so my wife tells me to lower my blood pressure and everything like that. Anyway, so that's, that's, a, that's beside the point, but we're driving back, and we knew it was going to be bad weather as we're coming back. We got to Erie, or we got to, we can't get to Erie, that would be a little out of, we got to Harrisburg. And we were, we were driving in this area, two lanes. There's a snowplow in the left lane up here, and there's a pickup truck sort of beside him in front of me. And for reasons I still don't fully understand, all of a sudden the snowplow decided it's time to, like, get off this road and run right into the pickup truck. And so in case you're wondering who wins in a fight between a pickup truck and a snowplow, it's not the pickup truck. So no one was hurt. It was slow enough speed that they just kind of like mashed up a little bit and then went into this parking lot together. I had to drive up on the curb to kind of like not run and be a part of it as well. Uh, and then this was the odd thing. Uh, we we sort of sat there for a minute. Both of the guys get out of their car and Amy goes, it looks like they're laughing, like they're having a good time or whatever. So I was sort of like, I don't understand that. doesn't matter. They're fine. And so we, we kept going or whatever. I thought maybe it's the boss's truck or so. I don't know. Uh, but but uh, they, they were fine. We were fine. But think about this. How many experiences in the last year have you had where it's sort of like, well, that could have been a lot worse. The Lord's protection is a very real thing. And some of you are thinking about stories right now, you know, and, 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 and you chuckle in a way, but, but it's also sort of like you, you pause to remember God's protection and God's faithfulness in that area. So we'd said a quick prayer, Lord, thanks for keeping us safe and keep all them together and keep us going over we get back over the mountain and the Lord got us home. So we remember his protection. We remember the encounters that we have with his presence. And this last year, we have had many, many, many beautiful encounters with the Lord's presence, His manifest presence among us as He's stirring and as He's moving, as He's bringing healing, bringing help, etc. Some of those experiences have been right here around this altar. I was even just remembering this morning, just God brought me back to this uh, conference that Amy and I went to in the late summertime. Somebody had actually paid for us to go for a conference. It was a wonderful gift. And uh, we went up to New York City. We're doing this conference. And one of the first sessions that we were in uh, the, the speaker, he, he gave a call for people to come forward and just, just, there was just a mob of people just waiting on the Lord in prayer and in worship. And it was so beautiful. And uh, the thing that, that struck me and, and made me chuckle a little bit was that they said, hey, well, when this session's over, there'll be about a half hour and then the next session's gonna start at 11.15 or whatever the time frame was. And after about 20 minutes of us just sort of being there in the presence of the Lord, in prayer, spontaneous worship breaking out, I'm thinking to myself, that second session is not going to start on time. This is not. But that was, a, that was a tangible and beautiful encounter with the Lord. And the Lord brought my heart back to that. I remember just standing there and just in experiencing his presence and then hearing within the body of Christ, people, someone would start singing. It was just spontaneous worship and then we would all just start singing and raising our voices together and then that song would sort of die down and then a few minutes of just holy quiet would go by and then someone else would start singing and it was just a real encounter with the Lord in his presence. 
So you, you, you remember those things. You remember his provision and you remember his protection and you remember his presence. Moses says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. And the second thing we do is, is we rejoice. So remembering actually unlocks the key to a lot of what happens next. Because it's very hard to rejoice in praise of God over something you're not remembering. So you remember and that unlocks the next thing of rejoicing. Remembering also unlocks the need for repentance because we remember the places that we've fallen short. So remembering is very, very important, the discipline of that. The second verse says this, Moses writes, before the mountains were born or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. He's rejoicing in, in who God is, and he's reflecting on this, not simply remembering what's happened, but now he's giving praise. In the next many verses, he's sort of juxtaposing the, the fragile nature of humanity that's like, a, like grass that springs up and, and withers away, but in contrast, a God who is constant and who is permanent and who is stable and who is strong and who is unmoving and all of these things. What's he doing? He's rejoicing in who God is. So friends, if remembering keeps us from repeating our messes, the next one is this, that rejoicing keeps us grateful and accurate in our evaluation. So this is what I'm saying before. Some of us, we would roll right into 2024 and, well, God hasn't really showed up. God hasn't really done a whole lot. God hasn't done it, whatever. When we rejoice in what he has done, it keeps us giving an accurate evaluation of who he is and what he's done. We don't, we don't gloss over the things of God in our lack of satisfaction with other things. So rejoicing keeps us grateful, keeps us accurate in our evaluation. Mary, a few weeks ago we were looking at her Magnificat. She says, my soul rejoices in God my Savior. The Almighty One has done great things for me. So she is remembering and respond, responding in rejoicing. Uh, what do you expect to come from the next year? That is a very good question. And I would ask you to wrestle with it just a little bit. What are you expecting out of this next year? The pessimist among us would say, well, I don't know, probably it's not going to be any better than last year, or maybe it's going to be worse, or whatever. The optimist among us would say, it's going to be the best thing in the history of years, you know? The realist, and we all kind of have a hard time identifying who is who in some ways, because pessimists call themselves realists but anyway that's another story um, the realist basically says this this year is probably going to have hardship it's probably going to have things that I haven't even thought of yet that are going to be difficult we're going to have to work through the challenges of life we're going to have to work through the reality of our old sin nature we're going to have to work through what feels like significant setbacks at times in fact it's going to be hard, but like anything, a, a walk with Jesus is worth doing. So you do hard things and you discipline yourself when you say, what are we actually expecting in the coming year? This is a vital question because it's easy to get deluded or it's easy to get overwhelmed and now you find yourself, I'm not rejoicing in who God is simply because my expectation was this was going to be a year without problems. And that year has never happened to anyone. So instead we say, I know that there's going to be challenges. I know that there's going to be unforeseen things. And yet I'm, I am resolving to praise God for his goodness 
and to look for those things in which I can engage with him. What do you expect for the coming year? Remembering unlocks the fuel for our rejoicing. Remembering also unlocks the content for our repentance. And this is the third part of the examine as we examine our own hearts. Some of you are already thinking about, you know, I'm remembering the work of God. And I'm maybe even now already a little spark of rejoicing is kind of growing in your own spirit. Because, you know, the Lord has done good things for me. But then another thing that happens, and it's equally good, and that is that the Holy Spirit brings to mind the places where I have left things undone. The places where I have done things that I ought not to have done. Now this is really an interesting thing. And it's so worth it to go here. Okay, It's so worth it to go here. Remembering keeps us from repeating our messes. Rejoicing keeps us grateful and accurate in our evaluation. Repenting realigns our heart with God's heart. And we need this all the time. You and I need it. 2024, like, if my heart is not in line with God's heart and it, and it naturally doesn't align itself with God's heart. So I still got to wrestle with this old nature, right? So the realignment of my heart with God's heart is a natural and normal discipline for the Christ follower. And it's such a good thing. Look at what Moses writes here. Verse eight. This really stood out to me as I was preparing this week. He says, you have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. Our secret sins. Whoa. Everybody just kind of took a little breath. Whoa, what's he talking about? What was Moses talking about? What did he do? Well, I don't know exactly, but I find it interesting that Moses, who is this iconic figure of the Old Testament. I mean, if you put the list together, like who are the big names of the Old Testament, and you probably have Noah in there, you probably have Abraham in there, you probably have David in there, but Moses is like kind of the guy. I mean, he's, he is the iconic figure of what it means to, to follow God and to lead well and all of these things in the Old Testament. And here's what he says. You've set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. When I hear the word secret sins, I think of that as like such a modern idea. Moses would say it's not a modern idea. It's not a new idea. The idea that we would be called as Christ followers in the new covenant to live in the light is such a beautiful and frightening invitation. I wonder if you could say you're doing that right now. You're living in the light. You're not squirreling things away. You're not kind of hiding things that you just, well, we'll talk about that another time or never or whatever. You know what I mean? Well, sort of, well, sort of. You know, so there's this idea, and it's very much a shame-based idea, that we want to present ourselves well. And friends, I know of what I speak. 2023 was definitely a year where the Lord got a hold of some things in my life where he said, Aaron, you are infinitely more worried about your image than living in the light. You'd rather present well than be well. And that's a problem. Here's Moses saying, you set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. 
What have we left undone? What have we done that we should not have done? And here's the thing. If it was good enough for Moses, this iconic figure, it's probably good enough for me. And it's probably good enough for you as well. There is this wonderful joy and this wonderful promise that I'm telling you, I know this promise, I understood this promise, but I experienced this promise in a different way in this last year, and that is this. We know that if we confess our sins before God, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. I knew that to be true. You know that to be true. But there's this other confession verse that goes like this, that we confess our sins to one another so that you will be healed there is something that comes with living in the light which is so terrifying it's so scary you know to say like uh like here's here's kind of the the messy me that i don't really like showing and i'm not advocating you stand up and show the messy parts of yourself to every single person you run into but you find the safe spaces and you find those trusted voices where you can say i need to be honest about some areas of my life or some things in my history or whatever the the, the stuff is and you begin to bring that into the light and you find healing the, the fascinating thing is i have i don't think i have ever spoken to a person who says i really regret having brought myself out into the light. And yet almost every person I've talked to says I'm terrified to do it. You know, that is the natural inclination of the human heart to hide. I don't need to go on on this except to say that repenting is such a beautiful joy. Repenting realigns our heart with God's heart. We find forgiveness from him. Some of you will experience that today at the communion table. You bring your, you bring your messed up record and you exchange it for the perfect record of Jesus Christ. That's what we are remembering when we come to the communion table. Some of you this year is gonna be a year where you say, you know what, I need to learn what it is to live in the light. And I need to bring some people around me that I can be honest with in terms of my past, my struggles, and everything. And you're not gonna regret it when you do it. So we live in the light, it's not a new notion. I find that very interesting that Moses himself even said, our secret sins in the light of your presence. So we do all of those things, and then we finally resolve. And this is where we're going to come to the communion table in a moment. Moses says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. That's a resolution. If remembering keeps us from repeating our messes and rejoicing keeps us grateful and repenting realigns our heart with God's heart, resolving... And the reason why I think it's actually good when you make that resolution and you say, hey, this is what I'm going after in the coming year. This is the goal that I'm setting. Resolving is your way of saying, I'm in. And it says, I, I've got a target to shoot for. Now, you may not hit that target perfectly. None of us does. But you're saying, I am in, and it gives me a target to shoot for. So I just asked the Lord as I was reading these last verses, well, what are some of the resolving, what are some of the resolutions that we might lean into? Verse 12, be resolved to seek a heart of wisdom. Moses writes, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Verse 14, this stood out to me. Satisfy us in the morning, with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all of our days. What is the resolution? It is the resolution to be satisfied in God alone. And that's a deep one. I mean, I suspect that most of us, if we really stopped and thought about the ups and downs of our emotional swing and the way that circumstances dictate and all of that kind of stuff, and I'm, I'm with you, you know, am I satisfied with God alone? 
The psalmist said, I just want to be in your presence. I'd rather be a servant in the house of the Lord. Yeah, I'd, rather be a, I'd rather sweep the, the floor in the house of the Lord to be in your presence, to be satisfied with him alone. That's a resolute heart. Uh, verse 16, resolve to faithful witness. He says, may your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. It's a resolution to faithful witness to others, especially in the next generation. It's when you say, God, I pray that in 2024 you would help my heart and my life to shine brightly for you. Which is why that Hebrews passage is so powerful. Cast off the sin that so easily entangles. Run with perseverance the race that is marked out for you. It's a faithful witness. It's a resolution. And the last one is this. I love this. Resolve to be dependent upon God's work and living in his favor. He says, may the favor of the Lord our God, this is verse 17, rest on us. And then he says, establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. That's a resolution. That's a posture that you either make or you don't make. I mean, you either say, you walk out of here and you say, I got it, I'm in control, I'm making my call or whatever, or you humbly submit yourself to the place of saying, Lord, I'm inviting the favor of God into my work, into my relationships, into my family, into my decisions. Resolve says I'm in, and it gives us a target to shoot for. So that's what I wanted to share with you here this morning. As you process that and chew on that, we're going to go to the communion table. What a great place for us. You know, that we, we take our messes from the past. We take our remembering. We bring our, repent, our repentance and our rejoicing. We bring our resolution, and we come to the communion table, and we find that Jesus has done the work. Jesus says, this is my body that's broken for you. This is my blood that is shed for your sin. And we get to participate in the great exchange once again. We get lined up with him once again. And we get to pray honest prayers. We get to say, God, this, here, here's where I am. You know, this is, this is me, for better or for worse. This is where I am. And he says, I know. I know, I know, right, I know right where you are. So I'm going to ask our worship team to come up. Uh, they're going to lead us. I'm going to ask people who are helping to serve communion at the stations here to come up to these little stations uh, we already gave you a little bit of instructions before, but we'll let you know that we have sort of two methods of uh, communion uh, that you can do the rip and dip, which is where you tear off the, uh, it's called intinction actually, you rip off the, <laughs> that's a less technical term, rip the bread and you dip it in the cup and you can take it that way. If that's a little more hands-on than you prefer, then you can use the two cups that are there. There's a cup on the bottom that has the the wafer, and then the juice that is on the top. So you're welcome to do either of those. If you love Jesus today, come to the table. We, uh, we welcome you to come. Uh, scripture says, The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. There's that word, remembrance, again. In the same way also he took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So the team is gonna lead us in a song and as they do that, um, this is your time to just kind of be quiet before the Lord. When you are ready, we invite you to come to the table. 
Uh, I'm going to lead us in just a prayer of commitment after we do that as we set our sights on the, the new year. Um, but this is your time. I want to just pray for you briefly, and then we'll, we'll let you uh, go to the communion table as you're ready. So, Lord, we come to the end of a year and the beginning of a year, and we pause and we reflect, we remember, we rejoice over the many things that you have done that are undeniably your work. We repent of the things that we hold even today and say we've, we've missed the mark and we want to live in the light. There's not a person here that has not missed the mark and so please don't feel like you're being singled out in any way and yet there is this beautiful reality that you come to the communion table and you are singled out by a savior who says I know you I love you I understand you I forgive you I receive you and that's pretty beautiful and Lord we have various levels of, of resolve, resolution, things that we would, would set down even today to say, would you teach us to number our days that we might have a heart of wisdom? Would you teach us to be a, a witness for you into the next generation? Would you teach us, God, to love well as you have loved well? Would you teach us to walk in the light in ways that perhaps we have not before. So Holy Spirit, you do, a, you do a good job of searching our hearts. We invite you to do that now, even as we wait on you. And as we come to the communion table, we remember the finished work of Jesus on our behalf. We pray in his name, amen. This is your time to wait on the Lord. When you're ready, we'll see you at the table.